a shot up in the tailgate yep. lot yep. with a stadium view. Woo! What a great spot. Damn it, I've been waiting all week. Counting down the days till I'm back in my seat. Till I'm back in my seat. Spring Ball Boulevard, the pilot, coming at you live. We are the People's XFL Show, here to prove to you there is no such thing as football season. Matty Fresh here with you tonight. We got the genesis of XFL 3.0 in less than 48 hours. But don't go empty that sports book balance yet. Let me tell you a little bit about us first. I'll run the offense here this season. How'd I win the job, you may ask? Well, I have a broadcast degree from Penn State, but most importantly, my XFL gambling record in 2020 was 14-6. and six. If you went to Pitt, that is 70%. Going to be hard to top. Hard to get above 55, nonetheless 70. We will try our best to do it again this year. Sitting a stone's throw to my southeast, our producer, director, and owner of the humble abode that we refer to as Studio Z, Fittingly named after Chris Zook. Welcome in, man. Thanks, man. So, no relation to Seattle D coordinator Ron Zook. No, but go Dragons. Finally, the XFL has come back to the nation's capital. Beer Snake, Audi Field, America's team, the DC Defenders have never lost. In fact, they are the reigning, defending, undisputed champions of the XFL East Division from 2020. Plus 650. What a steal. Book it. We're going to get into championship odds in a second. But wow, plus 650. The XFL championship runs through Audi Field. So what are we doing here on Spring Ball Boulevard? Well, you know me. You know Chris Zook now. There's us two jerks plus one more complete nobody who couldn't join us tonight. But he'll be here to give us some film breakdowns. He's the self-proclaimed long-lost cousin of Johnny Football, who a lot of you were hoping would play in the XFL, but he's retired and made his way to the links. That is Mikey Manziel. And for the love of football, he is a former Division Three quarterback, probably set the school record for BAC in a game. But you'll meet Mike on Mondays. He'll be here as we have a little bit of a three-man crew going on. But like I said, I'll run the offense. I'm a DC fan. You'll hear from Zook. He is our Seattle Sea Dragon fan. And then Mike, the Vegas Viper. So we're all in the same division. So this is going to be a lot of fun this year. Um, If you're wondering, what in the sweet name of Trace McSorley did I just stumble upon? Uh, This is not what's supposed to be on this YouTube channel, right? Well, it's not a music video for a new player song. Uh, It's not musical at all. But it can be entertaining. So if you're a sports fan, which you probably are if you're subscribed to my channel, then go ahead and drop a like on the video and subscribe and ride with us on the boulevard every Monday and Thursday. So let's talk some ball. Finally. We get to talk about XFL. We have preseason title odds to get to on the show tonight. The sports books have already put them out. And along with those title odds, we're going to try to push you and have more knowledge about the XFL than you previously did when you tuned in tonight. The reason for that, we're going to give away a PlayStation 5 at the end of the season. 
you can go into the link in our description and you can pick four games straight up. So don't worry about the spreads. Don't worry about the totals. That's what we're here for. We just want you to pick four games straight up winners. And at the end of the year, you'll have a chance to win a PS5 if you go 4-0 in any individual week. More about that as we go along. But that's why we want you to know the championship odds in the preseason and where we stand on our opinions with them. Of course, we also have in-depth previews of each kickoff weekend game. We'll find you the edge. Like I said, we're going to give you a side or total lean for each matchup and then our best bets, obviously, at the end of the show. It wouldn't be a watchable show unless we're going to sit here and talk about gambling. That's going to be the biggest aspect of the XFL. Great stories from these players, the intersection of dreams and opportunity, and for us, the opportunity to increase our bankrolls and make some money on this league where Vegas not m- knows no more about than you do. Trust me. They don't have any inside information that they're looking at that you don't know as a fan. They are just as in the dark on this league. So an opportunity for you to make some money. We're also introducing our Boulevard Bowl tour tonight. It's our quest to see all eight unique XFL venues. And I'll tell you where I'm headed this week to lead that tour off. Steven Gonzalez also coming up on our spring ball series where we're going to bring to you the league's biggest stars. He's an offensive lineman for St. Louis and we'll lead off with him in a little bit here. So let's jump right into the title odds for the XFL and see what the sports books have given us. Um, if you're listening along on podcast and you can't see him on your screen, we have St. Louis at plus 400, Seattle at plus 450, Arlington at plus 500. We have Vegas at plus 550. Houston, 6-1, to one, D.C. plus 650, San Antonio plus 650, and Orlando at 9-1. to one. These changed a little bit. In fact, when I bet D.C. plus 650 a couple of days ago, uh, the price immediately jumped to plus 750, and then I checked again today, and at press time it was plus 650 again. So movement anywhere you go on any of the books. We got these from uh, DraftKings, I believe, but any book that you go to, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, I'll give you one high and one low before we move on here into our full previews. I think DC at plus 650 is incredible value with Jordan Tamu under center. Uh, that one didn't really make sense to me. I think that uh, Vegas is maybe looking at Reggie Barlow being a first year pro head coach. Uh, but again, St. Louis, the favorite and they're coached by Anthony Becht, who's in literally the same exact situation, never been a pro head coach before. So I do think St. Louis is a little high here. Uh, not because I think they're going to have an overall bad season. It's because they're on the road until March 12th. And I know everybody's technically on the road in this league besides Arlington, who's only going to have to take like three plane rides where I think Seattle has to take nine which it surprises me again why they're up there. But you can get a better tag on St. Louis if you're a Battlehawks fan. If they start the season off a little slow, even like one and two or two and one, something like that, then that price is going to shoot up. I think they can kind of rebound towards the end of the season as they have more home games. I mean, that home field advantage in the Dome is incredible. So think about waiting on St. Louis, but I think now's a great time to jump on D.C., uh, Arlington is another interesting one at five to one. I think this is probably the second best roster in the XFL behind DC. So there's your futures. Now let's move on to the present. The birth certificate of Dwayne Johnson and Danny Garcia's new XFL being signed and dated Saturday, February 18th at 3 PM as Vegas takes on Arlington. 
Renegades, the short home favorite here, although the Vipers have been in Arlington the last five or six weeks as well. I think a slight home field edge will still exist here in Choctaw Stadium for Renegade fans. And between those fans and then the Renegades being familiar with this surface at Choctaw Stadium, I think that's why the line is two and a half here. On the home sideline, a familiar name, Bob Stoops, back after a two and three stint here in 2020. Listen, college football became the love of my life in part due to this man. I mean, he pulled the Sooners out of hell and they've thrived for about two decades now because of it. Uh, Brent Venable still working on some things early in his tenure, but think about Oklahoma football before Bob Stoops, really nothing. If you think about him and Mac Brown going against each other back in the day, it's just a, a chilling thing to think back to how important Bob was to college football, but it's not Mac Brown or Bill Snyder that he's going to be looking across the sideline from in this one. It's Rod Woodson that gets that honor, the gold jacket Rod Woodson. In fact, he may be, I think, the only NFL Hall of Famer to be a coach, if I'm thinking correctly. Um, I can just see that black and gold 26 jersey hanging in my old man's closet, a Steeler legend. Vegas, though, rolling the dice here on Rod, first-time head ball coach. But what do they say in Vegas? Scared money don't make money. So Rod Woodson's going to coach the Vipers. Let's take a look at the Arlington offense against the Las Vegas defense. Co-offensive coordinators Jonathan Hayes and Chuck Long back together after their 2020 run in St. Louis. That's important for you to know. Some might say Stoops couldn't beat him, so we hired him. Again, all these guys go way back, though. Stoops and Chuck Long, they go way back to their Iowa days. Um, I think Jonathan Hayes played for Bob Stoops at Oklahoma, so... I was confused in 2020 when all of them ended up in different places, but you'll see a lot of imports from the 2020 St. Louis Battlehawks coming to Arlington. Uh, Rick Mueller and staff built one hell of a roster here for the 2023 Renegades. It's kind of a spring ball all-star squad of sorts. You have wide receiver Jordan Smallwood. He was a 2020 breakout star. Early reports saying that first-year pro Drew Plitt is actually going to pilot the Renegades' attack this year. That surprised me because you do have Kyle Sloter and Sal Canella who were called up from the B League, and they're the spring ball equivalent of Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle, the way I see it. So I was, I was surprised to see a report on XFL.com that said kind of indirectly through an article that Drew Plitt was going to get first-team reps. I think they might go with a little bit of a two-quarterback system in Arlington. We'll see what Jonathan Hayes and Chuck Long do, but I, I do think you're going to see Drew Plitt rolled out first. Um, Hayes used to coach tight ends, so you need to know about tight end Sal Canella. He will be a force. The backfield is stacked as well. Davion Smith led XFL 2020 in rushing, but hide the chicken salad. Keep it away from Smith. He doesn't like it. He'd rather pizza. Uh, don't sleep on Adrian Killens. He was kind of a late ad, was traded over from the Roughnecks. A uh, little bit of thunder and lightning going on, I think, with Smith and Killens. And then you also have Keith Ford, who was a bruiser back in 2.0 for St. Louis. So a deep unit here in the backfield. Um, I could see a balanced attack here from Hayes and Chuck Long. Uh, I think they can block anybody in the league with these five up front. This is a solid front, except maybe one guy, and that's Vic Beasley. 
Yes, that's the same Vic Beasley who terrorized NFL quarterbacks with 15 and a half sacks in 2016. Just was a force to be reckoned with. I think he made the top 100 NFL players list just his sophomore season in the NFL. I don't see anyone remotely matching up to number 44, Vic Beasley. He joins former Penn State run stuffer Rob Windsor in the front seven. Um, We're going to rep all the Nittany Lions here in the XFL. That's going to be a theme of this show, by the way. Uh, For defensive coordinator Chris Dishman in Vegas, his Jersey Generals had the top run defense over in Birmingham. So that's something to keep in mind. I do give the Renegades the edge in this area. I think it starts and ends up front in this league, just like anywhere you play football. And this is the best offensive line on paper. Shout out to Jonathan Heimbach, their offensive line coach, an original member of the XFL 2001. How cool is that to have him come back? So great staff on offense. Now let's look at the Las Vegas offense against that renegade D. Dwayne Taylor. A name you might not know yet, he was many of uh, one of many SWAC mainstays that is now joining the XFL 3.0. He heads the Vegas offense. Joey Klinkscales put together one of the most experienced units in the league. I, I kind of like the way that Vegas approached this draft, uh, especially in the pass game. If you throw on NFL Red Zone back in November of 2017, you'd see these guys, right? Martavis Bryant, Brett Hundley, Geronimo Allison. These were guys that were active in the NFL. I think Brett Hundley at one point, was doing his best to relieve the best quarterback in the solar system, Aaron Rodgers. And Martavis Bryant was lighting up opposing corners all all day in Pittsburgh. So you're going to see them connecting in this offense unless Hunley can't win the job. Now, there were reports that came out that Brett Hunley was paid $200,000 to play in the XFL. Now, most players in this league making around 60K with the option to make another $1,000 per win and then also have the ability to have their housing provided and meals, so insurance, a lot of benefits. But Hunley, almost four times what the normal XFL player and starter was going to get. So I was surprised to see a report that potentially Luis Perez could be starting on Saturday for Vegas, kind of on both sides, right? I didn't think Plitt would start for Arlington. I didn't think Perez would start for Vegas, but Luis Perez in his own right, many accolades. He's played in every spring league under the sun, been referred to as Mr. Spring Football. He had a stint with the New York Guardians back in 2020 when Matt McGloin was benched. And I really do think Luis Perez is more poised to lead this offensive first. And remember, Brett Hundley got to camp super late because Brian Scott was supposed to run this offense and then he was cut. So Hundley was a late add. It'll be interesting to see. I think ultimately Hundley is going to win that job. But let's look a little bit more into this matchup. Like I said, Geronimo Allison, I mean, he was a, a solid fourth option for the Packers. I think he was right behind who? Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson, and Randall Cobb in Green Bay. Had a decent season in 2017 and 18. Uh, co-defensive coordinators Jay Hayes, the brother of Jonathan, and Tim Lewis are teaming up to run this renegade defense. So uh, we talked a little bit about that Vegas O. Let's look at the Arlington D. They have linebacker Donald Payne. And he was a first-team all-summer uh, leaguer. And they also have Devontae Bosby. They were both great in that league. Uh, this is a big-body veteran wide receiver group, so I'm interested to see how that Arlington defense, uh, especially the secondary, is going to match up. I think Will Hill third is a name you're going to know if you don't already. Um, 6'3 safety for Arlington. So 
again, I give the Renegades the edge even on this side of the ball. This is the one defensive back room with Bosby and Josh Hawkins and Will Hill that I think can match up with Las Vegas's playmakers on the outside. So I am going to take the Arlington Renegades here to beat the Vegas Vipers. Zook, who you got? Your first ever pick on the boulevard. Make it count. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm taking the Renegades as well. I think Vegas is the bottom of the league. I wow. So Okay. That's where I'm going. Mikey's now. not going to want to hear that. I'm sure he isn't. Rocking with the hometown Vipers, I assume? He is. Uh, this will be an interesting one. I think the XFL did a good job of putting some of the most recognizable names and faces on the top of the card here. Uh, I don't think The Rock's going to be here for this one. We'll get to which game he's heading to. But uh, this will be, be one of the most exciting games of the weekend. Me and Zook going Arlington. Mikey going with Vegas. Uh, you can hear from him on Monday as to why he took the losing side there. Uh, next, we got Orlando and Houston, a short trip south from the XFL hub. The new look Houston Roughnecks hanging that 2020 banner. Old Wave Phillips back in the saddle. You think they know him in Houston? Maybe a chance that he's maybe recognizable around H-Town? Uh, Zook, I'm going to give you some trivia here. Who was the president when Wade Phillips played for University of Houston? I'll give you a hint. I'm going to go with Calvin Coolidge. (laughs) And if we ever get to interview Wade Phillips, which now we probably won't. (laughs) He was also from Texas, and that's LBJ. That's the same grounds that the Houston Roughnecks are now going to play on. Wade Phillips was once uh, out there running around playing football in Houston. So they know him here. And he'll have to defend a title. And although it was just five football games in 2.0, P.J. Walker and Cam Phillips aren't just going to walk through that door again. Uh, So Saturday, they're going to have to figure out other ways to win. Um, Roaming the away sideline on Saturday night at TDECU Stadium will be Terrell Buckley, the man you see there. Uh, T. Buck coming to Orlando. He was a longtime assistant coaching defensive backs everywhere, including both sides of the Egg Bowl, Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Pretty cool for him being a Mississippi native. No cussing, the motto, at Guardians practice. In fact, all the clean versions of tracks that you hear bumping from the stadium PA for Orlando Guardians practice. No explicit music. So, Terrell Buckley, I will do my best to reach out and send you all the clean versions of Matty Fresh. That will be on my to-do list. I... I know you got to be a first-class organization, and I will do my part. Uh, except when The Rock comes in, because when he cuts a promo, uh, you're not going to stop him. So the Houston offense against the Orlando defense, what do we know here? A.J. Air Raid Smith back in H-Town to call the plays, just 33 years old, a bright young coordinator coming up through. He gets promoted from wide receivers coach, where he actually worked for June Jones, Um where he was running the offense with P.J. Walker and Cam Phillips, and and he was under that June Jones tutelage. So who wins that quarterback job in Houston is going to be very interesting. We're going to have a theme song this season, and it's going to go, Cole McDonald had an arm. Cole McDonald out of Hawaii is going to be a guy you need to know. Or is it Brandon Silvers, formerly benched by the Seattle Dragons in 2020? Whoever it is, they're going to throw it 600 times this year. I assume about 60 a game. In fact, McDonald said that himself. No shortage of targets to go to either. Deontay Burnett 
is my candidate to be Cam Phillips 2.0 in this league. He torched my Nittany Lions in the Rose Bowl. I think he had what? What was it? It was at least 150 yards receiving and three touchdowns. I think that was actually what got Sam Darnold paid in that draft. Um, Cedric Bird is another guy. He played with Cole McDonald out on the island in Hawaii. Uh, They went for a cool 2,000 and 20 touchdowns together, so they know each other well. Uh, True to the air raid, there's not a single tight end on this roster, something you won't see anywhere else, NFL, college, um, no tight ends on the roster in Houston. So plenty of running backs to go around here as well, highlighted by the fan favorite Nick Hawley, one of the great stories in XFL 2.0 after three torn ACLs and a broken back. He will suit up again for the Houston Roughnecks. Uh, for Orlando, defensive coordinator Tony Carter teams up with T-Buck to head that D. Quick shout-out, by the way, to Orlando uh, Director of Media Relations, Andy Seeley. Definitely a first-team all-XFL media staff so far. Done a great job getting us all the information that we need. Thank you, Andy. And because of him, we learned Orlando is going to run the 3-3-5. He gave us a depth chart, and I noticed there were five defensive backs there. So no surprise under T-Buck, the former corner himself. Matt Elam headlining the defensive backfield. He's a former first-round NFL draft pick, but now 31 years old, looking for that XFL second chance. Remember, he was cut from the D.C. defenders back in 2020, about midseason. So Matt Elam be an interesting name. I give the Roughnecks the edge here. Uh, A.J. Smith vying for that NFL call-up, right? You see all these young coordinators rising up through. Uh, we could sit here for hours and name them all. I think A.J. Smith wants to be the next one, and this offense is going to be scary. Now looking at the Guardian offense going against the Houston defense, you have offensive coordinator Robert Ford back in H-Town where he too played for the Cougars. I think Wade Phillips was a rising grad assistant when uh, Ford was here playing for the Cougars. Lamar Thomas also on staff coaching the whiteouts. Uh, Guardian fans hoping he doesn't go down that elevator and get in that thing himself. Uh, he shouldn't have to because they selected Charleston Rambo in the first round. We watched him at OU and Miami. I was actually kind of surprised that Bob Stoops being so closely connected to Oklahoma didn't take Rambo. But I think it's because uh, <laughs> Orlando got him first. So Rambo, going to be a great receiver to watch. He went for like 1,200 yards in, in his time at Miami. Um The starting quarterback for the Guardians, still unannounced as of airing of this show. Paxton Lynch is the betting favorite to win the job, and he's never impressed me anywhere he's been, even in the B League. Uh, If he does start, the key is to not throw the ball to the other team. Let's start with that. Uh, Houston corner will likely pick them off already back in April in Birmingham. Uh, Only two tailbacks on the roster for Orlando, so... Jamaine Martin and Devin Darrington are going to split carries. I didn't know all that much about these two guys. They're actually rookies. Uh, But Orlando's not going to be running much if they're always trailing. Uh, So they're going to need to have a a solid quarterback play. But this does have the makings of kind of that possible surprise, right? I feel like we haven't even taken the field yet. And everybody, all the self-proclaimed experts and and the sports books, have written Orlando off 9-1 to win the league. And if you look at power rankings, if you just Google it, XFL power rankings, everybody's thinking that Orlando has the weakest roster. So this has the makings of a very potential surprise team. I like the pass catchers. I think if Lynch or even DeAndre Francois, who's also on this roster, if they can play like they did when they arrived on their respective campuses, uh, Lynch, remember, tore it up at Memphis. 
DeAndre Francois was a complete stud at Florida State, and they have high ceilings, but they just haven't put it together in their pro careers. And maybe it's because they really haven't had the opportunity yet. We'll see what happens. Um, Defensive coordinator for Houston, Brian Stewart, another familiar name. He actually ran the Houston D for two years uh, for the Cougars back in 2011. So interesting to see him and what he'll do. Uh, Guys, I... Trent Harris will be a force for Houston as well as Kerry Vincent Jr. And, and there are two reasons why I give the Roughnecks the edge here. I don't think Orlando's skill at wide receiver is really going to matter if you don't have quarterback play. you got to have high-level quarterback play in this league or you can have all the players in the world at your skill positions. It won't matter. Um, so there it is. I'm picking the Houston Roughnecks. Who you got, Zook? I like Houston's offense over Orlando's defense. I'm also on the train of uh, Orlando being in the basement too. So. And Mikey Manziel, not with us tonight, but let's see if we can get a clean sweep. Is he going Houston? He is. So, not a great look, Orlando. (laughs) Probably even more of a reason that they'll win now. But, again, we're here to hand out winners. And the Houston Roughnecks have a solid squad under Wade Phillips, so we're looking forward to that one. Uh, So, here we are in Spring Ball Boulevard. We broke down the Saturday games for you. I want to give give a quick shout out to Dave and Rory at Mainstream Industries for this beautiful sign behind me. Look at that thing. If you don't know where you are, you think you got lost. Well, here you are. Spring Ball Boulevard. Thank you guys for that. Uh, We have the Spring Ball series. This is going to be interviews with the league's biggest stars. And we started off with a guy who I was very familiar with in my time at Penn State. That was Steven Gonzalez. And we're going to show you an interview with Steven and then be back to break down the Sunday games here on Spring Ball Boulevard. He is a Fiesta Bowl champion, a Cotton Bowl champion, a Big Ten champion with Penn State, and our very first guest here on Spring Ball Boulevard. We have of the St. Louis Battlehawks, number 74 offensive lineman, Steven Gonzalez. Steven, thanks for joining us. Welcome in, man. Hey, Maddie. Thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate you bringing me on. Of course, and I got to thank you first before we even start uh, for keeping Trace McSorley upright for all those years so that I could write a song about him. I really couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> Very catchy song, man. That's, I mean, it, it, it had me. I was singing it for like a solid couple months when it came out, bro. I was like, oh, my God. It's just it was super catchy. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had to do my job, had to get done, had to make sure Trace was upright and good and, you know, make sure he was breaking <laughs> records and scoring t- tutties. Yeah, and like I said, offensive linemen, you guys don't ever get a lot of credit, but I just hope you know that when I was writing that song, I did have you guys in mind. Uh, I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, so we'll get into your last five or six weeks here with the XFL. Uh, I wanted to bring up one thing here. Uh, I want to give you the chance to respond to something. So I'm not sure if you saw this, but I heard on social media last month, uh, out of the mouth of your former teammate, Rob Windsor, now of the Vegas Vipers, uh, he called you out on Instagram and, and, and this was last month cameras rolling Mike Mike's up. He says, I want Steven Gonzalez one-on-one. Hey, Rob's a competitor. You know, Rob's always been like that with me since, you know, the first day we stepped on campus together. Cause we were in the same recruiting class in 2015. So he always wanted to go one-on-one against me. You know, we always had a lot of good battles in practice. Sometimes we even, you know, had fought it out sometimes in practice. You know, we things got a little heated. So, you know, me and Rob have a good friendship, good little rivalry. So, you know, I I, I 
was not expecting that when the he he because he sent it to me actually. So he sent yeah. me that video yeah. on Instagram. Um, when it when it first came out, I was not. I was like, why did he send me this? Like, I, I was really confused. And then all I see is his face pop up. He's like, Steve Gonzalez and Samuel's Battlehawks. I want to face you. That's just. It's something Rob would do, so I, I honestly just started laughing. I thought it was just hilarious, um, but you know, I, I'm that you know we faced them twice this year, and you know, look forward to it. So, look forward to seeing all my. I mean, I've seen a couple of my former teammates, so you know, um, just really like I said, just looking forward to the competition, looking forward to uh, playing against Rob again. You know, like I said, it's been a long time. Yeah, and I think you're one of at least five former Nittany Lions in the XFL that made 51 man rosters. Um, Obviously, Mike Minette, you were in the trenches with him the whole time at yeah. Penn State. He's with the Dragons. Uh, we mentioned Rob Sharif Miller, uh, yeah. actually listed as a safety on the XFL website. I, that's a hard-hitting safety if they moved him. I think that's yeah. Be a I was typo. about to say that. that that's a very a big safety. <laughs> Two hundred and sixty-pound safety. So yeah, <laughs> I think it's probably a typo. But so yeah, probably. When you guys, when you guys play the uh, the Dragons or the Vipers, who do you think Coach Franklin's going to root for? uh sheesh i mean i i'd hope he root i'd hope he root for st louis i'd hope he root for st louis at least but you know he's that i know he's definitely happy of all his guys that made it and you know i know coach franklin's definitely happy for all of us he'll probably send us a text right before the game or something <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of you guys are teammates it's really cool to see um yeah. have you been able to spend time with any of them in the hub at all uh i just we're like in separate locations separate hotels so you know the only time we really saw them was the day that um the rock came for like the meet and greet event where they had all the teams at uh texas live over here um so i was able to see rob that day uh, i was able to see Menit. i was able to see um actually another kid daniel joseph who had transferred out i think my senior year yeah, I remember daniel. Yeah. um he's on seattle as well so you know wow. i saw him i didn't see sharif or the other guys but i bet they were there you know there were probably there were so many guys there so but i was able to see Menit. i was so able to see with, rob so yeah with the hub a lot of people might not understand really what goes on with all eight teams being in one specific city obviously they split it between two different squads at each of the practice facilities. I think you guys are with yeah. DC, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So as a DC defender fan, uh, that's interesting. We'll, we'll get into that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I know later. that the, the, the gear and everything was kind of bothering me. I'm not going to lie, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, I'm going to let it slide. I'll, I'll let it rock. You yeah, know? that's funny. My producer, <laughs> my producer just said, are you really going to wear that? I said, Listen, it's a league for the fans. We we got it. We got to just roll with it. Uh, you you got to just... listen. I, I respect you. Got to you got to represent your team. So I listen. Hey, I respect. I respect the passion. Hey, you can thank the guy, the jersey behind me. DeAndre Tompkins was uh, one of the first. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, DC yeah. defenders back in 2020. So that's the reason I rock with them, and I'm I won't switch up yet. But uh, yep, yep. We'll see. I, I think you guys that. are. I think you guys are going to be an entertaining team. So. With a typical day in the hub, uh, many people might not know like kind of what goes on there. Uh, what what's kind of like your routine been like these last couple of weeks in the hub? Um, honestly, we've been like in training camp mode for like the past five weeks, so it's honestly just been meetings in the morning, doing walkthroughs. Um, then we go to practice in the afternoon. So it depends because we took the afternoon schedule because obviously, like you said, teams are sharing facilities, teams are sharing. You know, you have two teams per practice field. So DC will take the morning shift. They'll work out or they'll practice and things in the morning. And I, I guess they do their meetings in the afternoon or early in the morning. I'm, you know, like I said, I'm not too sure. But like like I said, we do our practice like around one o'clock, two o'clock. 
And then, yeah, after that, we, for a while there, we were doing meetings like during the, you know, the middle of training camp, you know, especially the beginning and in the middle, but now towards the end, you know, now we're getting into the season, you know, we kind of do more, most of our meetings, most of our stuff during the day, during the morning. So in the afternoon, you know, we have time to rest, recover, rehab, things of that nature. So yeah, it's, it's kind of slowed down and become more like typical game weeks now. Yeah, it must have felt great to get that that call that you were making the 51 man that must I, I I know your journey and and you know not being drafted in the USFL and having to go through COVID and and the experience with the Bills. so I'm sure that felt great uh when do you guys leave for San Antonio uh I'm not too sure I would believe okay. I like I would assume Friday or maybe Saturday but I'm gonna assume right. Friday okay um, I heard that they did a little coaches round table and I heard some things that you guys will share a plane with your opposing team. Uh, probably something you've never done before. I assume. I heard something about that too, but yeah. I'm not, they didn't go into details with us. So I'm not too right. sure, but I have okay. heard that rumor as well. I, you know, be I hope that's not the case because <laughs> that might start a lot of issues. Yeah. Think about um, that, especially but, on the way home. <laughs> yeah. On the way, even on the way there, right, <laughs> start right. issues, you know, so I, I have no clue, but I, I definitely heard that rumor. Um, you know, I can't say if there's any truth or anything to it because I, I have no clue right now. All I know is that for this game, at least, we're busing to San Antonio because it's obviously nearby. Uh, so, yeah. Right, right. The so farther quick. games will, pro- will most likely fly. So, like, D.C., Seattle, uh, Vegas, mm-hmm. St. Louis. Sweet. So, into the football aspect, obviously, we talked a lot about the hub. Uh, I saw you in camp you were taking reps at center. Uh, I know you as a guard. Is that a position that you played in, in high school at all? Um, no, I actually had started doing it now when I, you know, came into the NFL, went out into the NFL because you need to kind of be, you know, a Swiss army knife. You need to be able to know pretty much every position. Um, you know, you, you bring more value to yourself in that sense. So, you know, the big thing for me was just trying to get as many, you know, center reps as I can, even if it's just one or two practice, one or three, you know, practice, like, as long as I'm just being able to get live center reps, oh, center reps snapping and things like that, being able to move around from that position, because it obviously is different for me than, you know, compared to guard where I'm comfortable at. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's been, it's been a little bit of adjustment, but Hey, like, honestly, really the hardest thing is just getting the snap consistent, honestly. And I, I you know, I've done a much better job. I've worked with a lot of O-line coaches in the league and things like that. So, you know, I, I feel very comfortable being able to be plugged in at center if I need to be plugged in in case of emergency, play both guards, you know. So, I'm I, like I said, I try to make myself, you know, as valuable as possible, um, you know, whatever way I can bring value to the team. Sure, uh, Coach Lime Grover would be proud to see the versatility. Uh, and, and yeah, Coach Moorhead yeah, back I there. know that was, <laughs> he definitely that was something he definitely tried to work on me with my senior year. So, we kind of started there a little bit, but you know. Um, it's just, it's been more of a thing now, obviously, you know, being into the professional level. So, but yeah, he definitely is proud of me seeing some snaps, me uh, taking snaps and things of that nature. <laughs> so I'm curious in practice and, and in camp, uh, the implementation of the new rules and, and how they kind of make you guys aware of some of the changes. Is there a certain rule as an offensive lineman that stands out that might be a little bit different than when you played in college? Um, I'd say the cutting um, we can, you know, we're able to cut as long as it's in front of like, you know, we're facing the guy or the guy's facing us. Um, you know, we can cut within, I think it's the box or like 
within five yards. No, either, you know, it doesn't matter how far or wide, I think. Um, forgot the exact rule, but I know that we can cut, and that's something, you know, I wasn't able to do in college. In the NFL, you could do it too, but it's also very limited. So here in the XFL, they just, you know, they let, as long as it's not obviously from the side or it's dirty or something like that. Also, uh, the play clock, um, you don't really like notice it at first, but they try to make an emphasis, you know, especially our offensive coordinators, things like that, um, of just, you know, hurrying up to the ball so we can have as much time because the play clock is a little shortened. Um, so if, in case you want to read defenses, make, you know, audibles. So, yeah, that was that was a couple, you know, things that kind of stood out to me. I mean, but everything you'll, else. You'll be fine. Good. Yeah, you'll be fine with that with how fast Joe Moorhead ran, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Tempo, also, the, not also I forgot the one thing, the the one point, two point, and three point uh, extra points. Yeah. Now that was the one thing that I was like, okay, this is a little different, but I, I like it. Like I like it. You know, it's another offensive rep. You know, you're not. It's not like PAT field goal where you're just sitting there and you know taking two bull rush D tackles to the face. Like you're, <laughs> you know, you're literally doing play, running offense and things like that. So. Yeah, uh, it, there's a couple things that kind of were a little bit different, but for, for the most part, it's pretty much just almost the same as the you know NFL. How do you prepare for knowing that you're going to be mic'd up for 60 minutes and, and everything, all the communication into the quarterback, all of the play calls? I mean, we saw it back in 2020 and, and even interviews on the sideline. Uh, there was a clip back yeah. in 2020 on opening weekend. There was an offensive lineman for Seattle who – who let an F-bomb fly on the sideline. It became a viral <laughs> moment. But, you know, what do you do? Like, do you even think about that or you just go out and play and not worry about it? Honestly, yeah. You can't think too much into that because if not, you're just thinking about the wrong things. Um, yeah. You, yeah, honestly, you just need to just go out, focus on your job, what you got to do. Um, I mean, we'll make different calls if we have to. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I, all the calls, honestly, throughout every league are universal. Like, everyone – every O-line coach teaches the same calls, same as, you know, defensive coaches and things of that nature. So, at the end of the day, it really doesn't even matter. It, it, it doesn't. I mean, especially for me, maybe for, like, quarterbacks and things like that, it's a little bit different because they have a lot more signals that they got to do. But in terms of offensive line, everything's pretty universal. So, I don't – it doesn't really change much for me. I don't even think I might – I don't even think I'm going to be mic'd up, but I know people around me probably will. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, probably, you, pro you probably will hear me once in a while. <laughs> yeah, that's one advantage of being an O-lineman. Obviously, I think every football player would say, well, you know, it's – I want to get on the sideline and I want to, you know, zone in and I don't really want someone in my face. But that's tough for the quarterbacks and uh, even some of the defensive players last year. Like a lot of the guys even said on live air – I. I don't really know what to say. I'm not used to this, right? Yeah, but, like, that's uh, diff very different. It makes for good content, so at least that. It does. It's good entertainment. <laughs> yeah. So what would you say to a sports fan who's from the St. Louis area? Maybe they love the Cardinals. They love the Blues. Maybe they were a longtime Rams fan back in the day. Uh, but they don't have the Battle Hawks on their radar yet. What would be your pitch to get them involved and for them to become a passionate Battle Hawk fan? Honestly, I don't think I have to do much. The same, I, I visited St. Louis for a fan fest, and honestly, they remind me of, like, Penn State fans. They're very wow. – okay. they're, they're, like, cult-like, you know? Like, they, they, yes. they, got the, they got the Rams taken away from them. And, I mean, we were in this, like, armory that holds, like, 6,000 people for this fan fest. I'd say at least almost a good 1,000 people were there, at least 800, you know? And that's just to see a couple of players have a couple autographs. Like, that, you know, a lot of fans showed up, so – um, 
Yeah, I don't think I really have to pitch much to St. Louis fans. They're very passionate about football. They're very passionate about uh, sports. You know, that's just a that's a sports city. It's very blue collar. They're very passionate. So I don't. I I think they'll sell out our stadium for our home game. So yeah, I, not much to sell them. They 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 know what the deal is. They know that they got to come show their support and be as loud as they can be. I was bummed to see the schedule that. Uh three weeks on the road to start. I'm like, man, we need to see this. We need to see the dome rocking. Like that's what the XFL was all about in 2020. We'll have to wait a little bit, but I think it'll be, I think it'll be worth the wait. Uh, Listening to coach Beck last night on the round table. I mean, that guy is just so like, I think the XFL, he, he could become the face of the league. I know there's a lot of coaches in there that obviously have a ton of experience and coach Beck making his first time as a head coach. But man, he's like so personable and he's just full of information and he's a great yeah. communicator. And I really do think that uh, they're going to push him to be the face. I can't wait to see how he interacts with the crowd. And I assume that that's rubbing off on you guys, kind of his energy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he like like literally just how you explained, that's how he is to us. He's very informative, very personable. You know, he you know wants to get the best for his players wants to do the put put his players in the best situations um you know just trying to you know like i said make an opportunity out of this trying to get us an opportunity into the nfl so i love coach beck i think he's a really good dude he gave me this opportunity um you know he you know he talked to uh dave bowler the uh director of player personnel and you know they spoke together and they, you know, they were able to get me this opportunity and they brought me aboard and they trusted me and my abilities. And, you know, they hadn't seen me play in, you know, years, you know, I hadn't really played an actual game. I was just in preseasons. So, you know, for them to trust me and things like that, like, like I said, I, I owe a lot to coach Beck. I think he's a great guy, Jersey guy as well. So that definitely helps out a lot. Um, But yeah, no, definitely the way you said it, he's very personable. He's very informative. He's like I said, he'll, he definitely will be a face of the league for sure. And a big blocking tight end too. So not only from he, Jersey, he's huge. But, he's, big, he's bigger yeah. than me. He's bigger than me. He's like six seven. Yeah. When they said tight end, much. I'm like, wow. I have to tight look end. Up to him, yeah. I'm like, damn. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm sure a lot of Penn State fans will be tuned into this interview. So uh, I got asked, when was your last time back in State College? Ooh, long time. Uh, yeah. kind of. It was uh, pro day in 2021. That was probably the last time. So like April-ish or March. Yeah. March 2021. That was the last time. Yeah. I was. I wanted to go back to a game, but, you know, life just gets a little hectic and mm-hmm. I just didn't have time. Um, I'm hoping now this year coming up, maybe I can make a wide out or something, of, of, you know, just try to make some sort of game. I did go to the Rutgers game this year, though, um, at Rutgers, though, unfortunately. So it wasn't obviously at Penn State, but – you know, I was able to see Coach Franklin. I was able to see those guys. So it was cool kind of catching up with them over there. Uh, I don't know how much you got to watch the team this year, but obviously bright future. Uh, tell yeah. our viewers why you think Penn State will win a national title in 2023. <laughs> they got two very good running backs. Yeah. And the O-line is actually playing very well. And that defense is great. Defensive backs, great D-linemen, great pass rushers. You know, Penn State's always had great pass rushers. I just think up front they've gotten so much better. And obviously, like like I said, two great running backs. And, you know, hopefully uh, Drew uh, Lark can put it all together. Hopefully, you know, he's what everyone says, you know, everyone thinks he's going to be. 
Um, you know, I think he'll be pretty special. Um, he, you know, I can I can tell he has a very special arm, special talent. So, like I said, it's very exciting to see what you know the future holds for them. But I definitely see a lot of success for sure. And obviously, Coach Franklin's going to run a tight, you know, a tight ship. You know, he's going to run everything very organized. So, you know, I see a lot of prosperity in their future. Yeah, and it really is just incredible to see you being a three-year starter and being part of what Coach Franklin was building and kind of his first group. And to where they've gone now, obviously, you were in the Fiesta Bowl, the Cotton Bowl. You started at the end of the Big Ten Championship season. And for them now to go out and win the Rose Bowl and for Sean (laughs) Clifford, a guy you blocked for to kind of finish up his career – uh, I, I could talk all day about Penn State, but really what it's about here is the St. Louis Battlehawks and the <laughs> XFL. Uh, really, when you when you look at the Battlehawks and this season, uh, I know some of the coaches and some of the players have said kind of what their individual and then team goals are for the season. Uh, when you wake up every morning, what kind of drives you and what are your goals uh, from now until until May 13th, which would be the championship game? Uh so personal goal, obviously, just like everyone in this league, we want to make the NFL. You know, a lot of guys feel like they're on the fringe um, and feel like, you know, they just need that opportunity to put out film, to put out good game film, you know, pressure situations that can show the NFL, hey, maybe this guy can develop for us. Or maybe we leave him in the XFL for a year and then we bring him up and we develop him, you know. So that's obviously my personal goal. My personal goal is to obviously have a great season, um, you know, to do anything I can for the team, sacrifice, you know, whatever I can to win a championship. Um, but yeah, that goes on to lead me to my team goal. Um, obviously, you know, we want to win a championship, you know, that's the only way you get noticed in this league. You know, you go to the playoffs, you win a lot of games and you win a championship. That'll get you noticed by NFL teams. You know, they they want winners. They want to know, how did this team win? They must have all gelled together and came together. All the players must have bought in. So, yeah, I mean, that that's my kind of personal and team goals. Um, you know, very basic. But, you know, I think it's, you know, like Coach Franklin kind of preached about a lot and even Coach Beck preached about it, you know, the other day when we started game week, you know. We just got to take it one week at a time and just go one and oh each week, you know, focus on one opponent at a time because, you know, that's the most important person, you know, opponent and, you know, thing you're worried about for the week. So can't look too far ahead. Can't, you know, worry about training camp or nothing like that. Just one at a time going one and oh each week. Absolutely. One of those one of those core values at Penn State. And Stephen, we thank you so much for your time. Obviously, in my book, uh, Penn State legend, you were all conference there won so many different accolades over the course of your career. And I really don't think that you guys got enough credit. And it's really cool that like you and Minute and all the guys that'll be moving on and we'll finally get to play again and showcase, you know, what you guys really learned at Penn State uh, and, and, and be able to, to actually play and get some film. Uh, Steven, again, thank you for joining us, man. Good luck against San Antonio. I'm sure the world will be watching. Uh, this is the this is the big one, right? The opening weekend. I mean, they've been talking about this for years, and it's finally here. I can't believe it's here. We'll be riding with you guys all season. Again, that XFL championship does run through D.C., but you know I'll be rooting for you anyway. <laughs> uh, no, it definitely runs through St. Louis, brother. But, no, I, like I said, Maddie, I really appreciate you bringing me on, man. I really appreciate you, you know letting me be able to talk on, you know, on your show and things like that. And, you know, just letting me get my story out there for a little bit, but uh, yeah, thank you. And, you know, hopefully we can talk soon again. 
making everybody back in Union City, New Jersey proud. That is Steven Gonzalez, number 74 offensive guard for the St. Louis Battlehawks. Thanks, Steven. Back here on Spring Ball Boulevard, Steven Gonzalez giving them some great information on that interview. I did not know, Zuck, that they could cut block in this league. I know. That was a great interview. That's going to be really cool to see. I think for offensive linemen, they got to be grinning ear to ear. That's going to be a huge advantage for them. And some of the stuff that Steven gave to us, this is what you're looking forward to on Spring Ball Boulevard. We're going to interview these players, uh, obviously have connections with <clears throat> Steven going back to Penn State. Uh, we talked about Robert Windsor. He's a D tackle for the Vipers. Hope to get him on the show soon. But yeah, we're going to have that all season for you. We're going to bring you a ton of interviews on our spring ball series. Steven Gonzalez, our first ever guest. Thank you, Gonzo. Appreciate that, man. And let's go right into his preview, right? His St. Louis Battlehawks traveling to San Antonio, as he told you. Uh, they're the short favorite. And this over-under, just like the rest of them, mid-30s. Um, early rumors saying The Rock will come back to the Alamo Dome to cut a promo at halftime. He's done all kind of WWF and E events in San Antonio, so this will be interesting. Will DJ put his Brahmas over the same way Roger Goodell puts over Pat Mahomes and those meddling Chiefs? It's interesting to see here because he owns all eight teams, so he's not supposed to have a favorite, but he might. Uh, from a number, a number standpoint, I think – Strictly because Audie Field can only hold like what 20,000 and they can't break fire code there. I think this will be the highest attended game of the weekend. Um, we saw like 30K here back in the AAF days with the San Antonio Commanders. So a matchup of two first time head coaches leading off our Sunday. You just saw Heinz Ward and his familiar black and yellow. That guy needs no introduction. But we will say the Brahmas by default have to have the best uh, touchdown dances. In the league, I mean, you had uh, Heinz Ward winning Dancing with the Stars. And I do think the staff is still a season or two away from becoming an XFL contender, but can never count Heinz Ward out. Uh, Anthony Beck, the fearless leader of the Battle Hawks, who Steven Gonzalez told you about on the other side. He's the leader of that Kaka Club in St. Louis. Going to be great to see how he interacts with the fans. I'm sure St. Louis will have some fans in San Antonio with the way that uh, Steven explained to us. They're kind of cult-like diehards. They're going to travel. Trust me. They're going to be in the Alamo Dome strong. Uh, he spoke very highly of Anthony Becht, his coach. Anthony's son, Rocco, actually a quarterback at Iowa State, for those of you who follow along with the Cyclones. Uh, this is a very new-look St. Louis. Um, half of the 2.0 coaches and players dipped and went to Arlington, as we already discussed. So they did put together a pretty solid draft nonetheless. Looking at the San Antonio offense against the St. Louis defense, Jamie Elizondo is a familiar name for XFL diehards. Uh, he'll call the plays for San Antonio. He had a stint in the CFL. He was also with the uh, Tampa Bay Vipers, the now defunct Tampa Bay Vipers. Uh, he brings back his tailback from Tampa, Jacques Patrick. And the Brahmas are going to run early and often with Patrick and Kalen Balaj, uh, the former Sun Devil. Obviously, all these guys, they have John Hilleman as well. They all racked it up in college. Um, on socials this week, they announced Jack Cohn as QB1. Moan for Cohn starts now. And disclaimer, I didn't come up with that. Thank you, XFL Reddit, for showing me Moan for Cohn. Get that on a towel in San Antonio. That's incredible. Um, 
Cone is used to turning around and handing off to Jonathan Taylor, so I think this run system is going to work. Uh, Jalen Tolliver, the wide receiver, also followed Elizondo to San Antonio. He's been kind of trailing him the last few years, and I think he'll become the wide receiver one for the Brahmas. On the other side, Donnie Abraham heading the Battlehawks defense. He's paid his dues and really cut his teeth in, in the coaching profession. Uh, he once said he never wanted to coach, but about 10 years ago, he was a head coach at Clearwater High School, the Tornadoes, and they had an 0-10 season. So Donnie Abraham has faced all the adversity you can as a coach, really paid his dues, like I said, and uh, he's got some bright spots on the defense. The defensive end, LaCale London, he actually spent time with Chicago Bears. Uh, linebacker Silas Kelly is a name that you college football freaks will know. Uh, all-time mullet. For him, Silas Kelly, Google him. Uh, and at corner for St. Louis, Lavert Hill is a name that, oh boy, I happily recall Lavert Hill from Michigan. Lavert Hill actually uh, flipped off 107,000 of my friends and I in Beaver Stadium back in 2017 uh, after Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley ran him off the field. Uh, I think we need to get Lavert Hill on the show here, Zook. That would be a great guess. I would <laughs> I would love to talk to Lavert, but the edge here is his St. Louis defense. Uh, Elizondo wasn't really great for me in 2020 with Tampa. I think they went one and four. And in the CFL, only a couple wins as well. So uh, Jack Cohn kind of is what he is. I know you can say that about a lot of quarterbacks. He was impressive at Notre Dame, but really watching the bulk of his film in Wisconsin, it just kind of is what he is. I was surprised Reed Sinet didn't win this job. But – I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, I promise you, I will moan for Cone. Uh, the St. Louis offense against the San Antonio defense. A.J. McCarron back at it after tearing his ACL prior to the start of the 2021 NFL season. Let me tell you, if we get both Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Catherine McCarron in the same building on Sunday, this will be the highest-rated game of the weekend. No question about it. Uh, what a get for the XFL with A.J., Two-time back-to-back national champion as a starter in T-Town. Dave Bowler found some real player 54s on this roster. You hear DJ always talking about player 54. Well, quite a few fringe NFL guys for offensive coordinator Bruce Gradkowski. I think Bruce, obviously he used to sling it around the glass bowl at Toledo. I think him and A.J. McCarron at one point, maybe different years, both backed up Andy Dalton. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um... Marcel Aitman was the uh, former Oklahoma State receiver who was the first selection in the Battlehawks draft. Uh, he's likely an all-XFL guy on paper, uh, 6'4", just incredible talent. And running back Brian Hill, he won people some money in their fantasy leagues as a waiver wire pickup back in, what was it, 2018. Uh, he's had some great late-season success in Atlanta. And I think the Battlehawks, for my money, have the best tight end room in the league. Uh, and that makes sense because their coach, Anthony Becht, was a first-round draft pick at tight end. So he's going to have a strong position group. I think it's kind of cool, right, to see all these XFL coaches that played and see where they played and their position groups that are going to be strong. Uh, you see that all across the board in football, but it's going to be cool to see in the XFL. Uh, watch out for Austin Prohl. Uh, playing for his dad, Ricky, now. Many of you remember Ricky Prohl. Uh, played in the greatest show on turf with Tory Holt and Isaac Bruce. Won a Super Bowl with the St. Louis Rams. He's back. He'll be a fan favorite. And his son, remember, fun fact, scored the first ever touchdown in XFL 2.0 for the Dragons. Uh, the Brahma's defense, unfortunately, doesn't list Dwayne Johnson uh, on the depth chart. But I think at some point, the Rock may need to suit up. Um, former Michigan defensive coordinator Jim Herman 
with a solid front seven here. Uh, you have linebackers like Ben Davis and uh, a captain, Joel DeBlanco. They were both uh, standouts in college and played for some great programs. Like DeBlanco was at Cincinnati on their college football playoff run, and then Ben Davis played at Alabama, I believe. Uh, in the secondary, Sean Williams Jr., he's a natural leader out of Navy. Uh, I don't know. This is a tough one. I, this is going to be, I think, the closest game of the weekend. Um, I do give St. Louis a slight edge here. Uh, McCarron to me is the most valuable player on the field to start the season. Think about the experience that AJ McCarron has. It's, it's unparalleled when you think about what he did in college. He was a part of three national championship squads under Nick Saban, and he was always just right there on the cusp of being an NFL starter and had injuries. So it'll be cool to see AJ out there and I'm rolling battle Hawks. Kakaw is the law. Zook, who you got? I also got the battle Hawks. I think they're better on both sides of the field. Um, so I'm just rolling with them. Great analysis from Zook, who seems to tail all my picks. I'm not tailing you, and I guarantee you my next one isn't the same. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Do we have another clean sweep here on the boulevard? I, I, I fear what that will do to us. I know. I really do. <laughs> this I did not expect to happen. You and me both. I, I have to have a talk with Mikey. I did not expect this to happen. Again, I never saw Mikey's picks. Zook is our producer. He puts them in late, so I'm seeing these for the first time. Uh, I'm shocked. I've never agreed with Mikey Manziel on anything, so this will be interesting. And as you alluded to, Zook, we saved the best for last. My D.C. defenders have returned to Audi Field under Reggie Barlow's new regime in the capital city. And while there's no Cardale Jones or DeAndre Tompkins or our boy, where's he at? Cole Boozer, not playing this time around. He retired. Uh... We still have our beer snake. So there is still some tradition and some things alive from XFL 2020 in D.C. Regretfully, I will not be in D.C. on Sunday. So I think I need to contribute my honorary cup here from Spring Ball Boulevard. And for all of you watching from home, I know you're a defender faithful, and I know you're going to appreciate this. So let's show you what you can do to do your part with the beer snake if you're not going to be in D.C. on Sunday night. Step one. Where is it, Zook? Acquire your beer. Hopefully, a Lost Laws Pilsner, the official beer of the D.C. Defenders. Unfortunately, I haven't got my mitts on one yet. So this is a mystery plastic cup of beer. Step two is the fun part. Let's see if uh, that Penn State degree paid off. Guzzle that beer. And step three. Place your beer onto the snake. That is how you contribute as a D.C. Defender fan in Audi Field. And make sure you repeat it at least three or four times per quarter while you watch the good guys win. And that's all I got. Reggie Barlow, the new head man. Here I am dripping in beer, but we're going to get through it. Look at that thing. It's glorious in all its glory. Let's put it around the entire stadium. And let's get Reggie Barlow pounding one after the game. And let's have him put the last cup on. I won't be in D.C. this week, but I can't wait to get there eventually. Uh -oh. 
think we're good now. I think we're good, Zook. Uh, the former Super Bowl champ, Reggie Barlow, got his start in the slack at Alabama State. No experience as a pro coach yet, like I said before, but he built a solid staff here. Um, across from him, former NFL coach of the year, Jim Hazlitt. There he is on your screen. Uh, he was actually supposed to lead the Battle Hawks in 2020, but he retired from coaching. And Jonathan Hayes ended up getting that job. So interesting nugget there. All you had to really do to get old Jimmy back was get his old buddy Randy Mueller on board, and he was all in. I think he retired for about four short months. Uh, had the Tom Brady effect for Jim Hazlitt. But Mueller is going to help him build this roster the same way they did back in New Orleans in the early 2000s during those days. Um, so the D.C. offense against the Seattle defense, what are we working with here? Well, Reggie Barlow brings his swack buddy Fred Kice along to call the plays, they're going to have the task of going up against the defensive-minded Jim Hazlitt and his longtime colleague at defensive coordinator, Ron Zook. Again, no relation to our Zook. Uh, if you know college ball, you love Ron. Uh, who could forget those 07-08 Illinois teams with, like, Juice Williams and Rashard Mendenhall and his defense had Jay Lehman, one of my favorite uh, defensive players in college football back then. But all that's great. Here's why DC Moneyline will be a best bet for me. Little teaser there. Um, not because I just inhaled a beer, <laughs> but because Fred Kice, I think, is going to take a different approach than most of the coordinators in this league. And what do I mean by that? Well, Fred Kice is going to utilize the RPO attack. And if you're wondering why there's not that many dual threat quarterbacks that we discussed yet in the XFL, it's because DC took them all. Look at this. This is rushing yards in college. Derek King, over 2,000. Love to play with him on NCAA football, by the way. What an absolute stud. Eric Dungy, Syracuse, former Power 5 QB. Almost 2,000 rushing yards in college. And then Jordan Tamu didn't have that many yards in college, only two seasons, but has torn it up in every league he's been in on the ground. So I think if you really look at the D.C. quarterback room, honestly, I think that QB2 and QB3 in our system – could start in, let's see, Orlando, San Antonio, maybe Houston. That's Vaughn Hutchins. Thank you for going out and getting all those guys. Uh, I haven't even mentioned the tailbacks. Abram Smith, he's going to have the rookie campaign in D.C. that Jonathan Taylor had for the Colts. Book it. This is that type of, that type of runner. 1,600 yards. He was a huge reason why Baylor won the Big 12 and the Sugar Bowl. Uh I have no idea how Abram Smith actually didn't make an NFL roster. Uh, it, it's puzzling to me. Uh, running backs like him, I think, are undervalued. But Abram Smith is the first overall pick of the XFL draft for a reason. Uh, again, the depth showing in this room. You have Rykel Armstead and Artavis Pierce, two studs in college. And watch for Puka Williams out of Kansas. He's going to be kind of like the Debo Samuel piece of this offense. I think he's questionable for week one with an injury. But he's they're going to utilize him as a swingman, both running back and receiver. Uh, the group at tight end is pretty solid. I know the wide receivers took a hit. Uh, both wide receiver one and two. I think Jazz Ferguson and KD Cannon both out with injuries, so they're on the reserve list. But um, the tight end group might make up for that, led by Ethan Wolf. And again, very experienced O-line. I think probably one of the best in the league. I, I think Arlington on paper definitely is, but D.C. is going to have a good one as well. They're going to have to block my guy, Sharif Miller, uh, coming off the edge for those Sea Dragons. But uh, 
I give the edge to DC here. I think they can run to set up the deep pass, and I think Tomu's pretty accurate. They're going to hit that RPO, and they can control the clock, most importantly. Uh, flipping sides of the ball, Seattle offense against the DC defense. The seemingly unstoppable run and shoot from June Jones is back. This time, Ben DiNucci and Josh Gordon playing P.J. Walker and Cam Phillips. Will it work out the same way? Well, Gordon's going to wear number zero, and uh, if that's his BAC, I don't know who's going to cover him. Uh, I think my BAC at this point is higher than Josh Gordon, so that's a good sign. That's doubtful. Thank you, Zook. (laughs) The speedy T.J. Hammonds is another guy to look for in this scheme. I think he's going to shine, but... This scheme features eight wide receivers and zero tight ends. Very similar to Houston. I think Josh Gordon's going to catch a lot of double teams, so you're going to need some other guys to step up. Uh, The draft pick, Kevin Shaw, was the first overall selection for Seattle. He was cut. That was confusing to me. Why would you burn your first draft pick? I mean, that's a guy that you had to scout for months, right? That's... You, you got your pick of the litter for all the uh, skill position players, and they end up cutting him. Was it an injury? We don't really know. We can't say. I guess we can't speculate. But that, either way, not great for Seattle to have to cut their first draft pick. But will it really matter when you got Josh Gordon? Uh, he's going to catch the double teams, like I said. So look for Blake Jackson. I think he's going to be reunited with June Jones. He played with him back for the Roughnecks, and he could break out kind of as a wide receiver too. Uh, Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator, back to inflict pain on your quarterback, Zook. Uh, he's known for uh, injuring uh, quarterbacks on the opposing <laughs> side. <laughs> kind of an infamous guy, Greg Williams. Uh, can't wait to see him coach again. But Davin Bellamy gives DC the edge here. I think it's a very inexperienced Seattle front, so you got to be careful. Uh, Zook, we got to come up with something. You being a Dragons fan, me being a diehard defender, what are we going to do when you lose? I got to make you wear something or maybe I mute you for the whole show. Yeah. Well, you're losing, so it doesn't really matter. Well, what matter. should we do though? Should we agree on something now? Absolutely. We, we have to do something. We have to 100%. I think it, well, when you lose, <laughs> you should, I'm going to have to pick something that you have to wear on the show. It could be anything. Okay. I, I'll think of it. It'll be something absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but you will have to wear whatever I tell you to wear. Can't be more ridiculous than what you're wearing. Well, I'm not wearing my beer. So at least that. I was afraid with wearing white today, I might wear that beer. Nonetheless, we're squeaky clean. And in the DC Defenders, white and red. So DC, we can't wait to see you on Sunday night. Wish I could be there. We will definitely get there at some point this season for the Beer Snake. We should have named this show Beer Snake Boulevard. Why didn't we do that? I probably wouldn't have produced it. As much as I rag on Zook, I need him. <laughs> Look at that ugly thing. It reminds me of, uh, remember the old show Dragon Tales? Like it was on like PBS Kids? No, I don't. A little too old for that one. It must be. Thanks. Now we're throwing digs there too. <laughs> Wonderful. So, look at that thing. I mean, look at the beautiful DC logo with the C inside. And then look at look at the dragon. Uh, I, I, I don't even want you to click Mikey's pick. I'm, I'm worried. I'm not worried. You want me to click it? I yeah, guess I can. Hit it. I think he did. He do this on purpose. The jinx is in. He did it on purpose. The fix is in. I need another beer. 
Well, I need another beer after listening to you talk about DC this whole show. The reason I couldn't be there on Sunday, I simply could not turn down the invitation to XFL headquarters to be part of history and to cover the birth of the league. Again, we are the people's XFL show. So it's time to meet you wonderful people in Arlington, Texas. Please send your recommendations for food, for booze. I've never been to the Lone Star State. And I don't want to end up at Texas Roadhouse. So tell me where to go. Uh, Week one of the 2023 Boulevard Bowl Tour heading to Choctaw Stadium, XFL headquarters. I cannot wait for this one. This is going to be a blast. Arlington, we'll see you soon. And before we finish off the show with our best bets, we do have to look at the XFL rulebook. A lot of these kind of the same as 2020, but you know what? Let's While we're at it, let's pick one or two favorites each. I can go first. Uh, I thought it was interesting, by the way, what Steven Gonzalez told us about cut blocks. That wasn't in the like little summary that they posted on XFL.com, but that'll be interesting. Uh, again, not a lot of guys used to that in college, and they have certain rules about it in the NFL, but out of a certain yardage, I think, go listen to the interview with Steven uh, to get exactly what he said. Uh, but you're going to be able to cut block in this league. Uh, I think, for me, it's the tiered extra points. That's a cool one. And the coaches being able to challenge anything from PI to intentional grounding. You can even challenge, like, illegal use of hands. Really, anything you want. Right. That's the definitely one of, of my penalties. favorites. I mean, it doesn't matter. You, you don't have these unchallengeable plays like you do in the NFL where it just is what it is. We watched the Super Bowl. That would have been a challenge 100% every single time the hold on Bradbury. So not to bring trauma up here for you, <laughs> yeah. Zuck, but, you know, good maybe, example. Maybe that hand inside uh, hurts his face mask, you know, that kind of stuff. And and for those of you who don't know, uh, in the course of seven days, not only will Chris Zook be suffering a franchise-opening loss for the Seattle Sea Dragons, he also just went through the Philadelphia Eagles uh, playing like they should have won the Super Bowl and somehow finding a way to lose. So please send your Get Well Soon cards in here to Studio Z. We'll post the address in the description. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> so what's your favorite rule, Zook? What jumps off the paper at you? I like the fourth quarter rule where you can uh, take uh, fourth and fifteen. Instead of the onside kick. That's electric. That's a cool one. I think you'll see a lot of teams opt to do that in the fourth quarter just because onside kicks are so unlikely to recover. Right. Absolutely. So you get a fourth and 15 from your own 25? I think that's what we said. And you have an opportunity. And a lot of these quarterbacks, you think they would have just scored. So they're trailing big. They go down. They engineer a scoring drive. They're hot, right? They got the momentum. And now they need 15 yards. It's not like 30 or 40. Just 15 yards. You see Hail Marys at the end of the game. Right. This is 15 yards. You can run a play. You, you can have a play drawn up for that. So that will be a cool one. I like that. And here's a bonus. Not a rule, but part of the presentation of the game uh, for the fans. All access to quarterback coach communications, and they can run the play clock all the way down to zero, and the coach and the coordinator can talk to his quarterback all the way up to zero. Most of you know it cuts off at 15 at the NFL. So that's going to be right up, like reading the defense. Like you're in it with the coordinator and you're right. reading that defense up till zero, that's interesting. I think that's a disadvantage for the defense for sure. But, of course, they want offense in this league. That's what they're setting this up for. Um, and the sideline interviews were just priceless in XFL 2020. I mean, we got guys just <laughs> flying off the cuff. I, if I had to sit in that ESPN truck this weekend, I mean, you you produce and direct. You know how it is. Ugh. If I had to sit in that truck, I mean, I, I want the biggest dump button you can get 
Because I'm just going to be dumping it all day. You got one guy just it's for football. the mute button, right? You're going to have to. In the to. truck? That's it's it. like they have one official to spot the ball on the field. You need one guy for the dump button. <laughs> just smash that thing. I mean, it's football. There's cussing. As much as Terrell Buckley doesn't want to admit, guys are going to be letting it fly out there. A lot of trash talk. It'll be interesting to see who the biggest trash talker in the XFL is. The biggest trash talker on Spring Ball Boulevard, uh, probably Mikey Manziel. I'm a pretty humble guy. So Dude, I, oh my! I, all right. Well, keep it rolling. Let's being, next speaking, segment, please. <laughs> speaking of being humble, how about our Boulevard best bets for Week One? Disclaimer: Two things. This is a brand new football league, and as diehard as I am about the XFL, and we're here to hand out winners for you, this is a brand new football league. We know these teams on paper. We don't know how they will gel together. I have a good lean. And I can tell you that this is our preseason in week one. But just for you, because we know you want winners, we're going to give you them. I got Arlington minus two and a half. We broke down that before. I think whether it's Drew Plitt or Kyle Sloter, I think the Renegades from top to bottom have the best roster on paper in the XFL South. And Vegas has some playmakers, but I think Bob Stoops can do enough with that all-star staff to get it done. Arlington minus two and a half. DC money line, enough said. I won't even go into that. Mm-hmm. Zook, no Seattle money line. Notice that. I like the over. I think that's the right play. So I'm trying to make a little bit of money, and I know this is going over for sure. 35 and a half. Uh, kind of a short number for what I think June Jones can do, right? Run and shoot, fast-paced offense with Josh Gordon and Ben DiNucci. By the way, Jim Hazlitt goes out and gets his guy from Pittsburgh. Ben DiNucci, that, that'll be interesting to watch the two Yinzers back together. But, yeah, I think 35 and a half. A lot of these totals are low, and they were driven down even further. At the beginning of the week, some of them were 38, 39. They're now mid-30s. Right. So the Sharps are on the unders, and I think that's just copy-paste from every spring league there's ever been, that Sharps and Vegas are taking the unders thinking that these leagues are going to be terrible. But you got some talented players here. Yeah. And if they start scoring, they could get that in a half. So I like that one. I think it's a lot harder to play defense out of the gate. For sure. You'll see defenses get stronger towards right. the end of the Especially when season. you got, the, like I said, the offensive coordinator being able to talk to the, the, the quarterback right up to the snap. I mean, they right. might be able to see something on the field that the quarterback might not see. So that'll be interesting. Vegas money line. I mean, see, at least you didn't fade me. You didn't go against me. Like, you didn't take Seattle money line. <laughs> I mean, how, how great is that for the show that this – this washed-up D3 QB, you know, says, I know Johnny. Well, he wasn't playing golf with him this week, just so you know. Uh, Mike Manziel taking the Vegas money line. Uh, we have something else cool to bring to you. We have a live mascot here on Spring Ball Boulevard. She is currently fast asleep as we are a late-night show. But we do have Piper's Parlay. Zook, tell us a little bit about your furry friend. Uh, I mean, she's the best dog in the world, of Look course. <laughs> So uh, this is a nice. This, I, know. I can't believe that picture. This is a nice little. Is picture. that the cat door? That is a cat door, and we don't have a cat. Is she stuck? This is how. Oh. No, this. Uh, if I'm down in the basement, and I have the door shut. This is how she greets me, and Piper's she will sit there. Starlight. She'll sit there and whine until it's time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's Piper. She will be our live mascot on Spring Ball Boulevard. Please send treats. Uh, her parlay. I think she barked him at us this morning. <laughs> Uh, she agrees with us most mostly, so thanks, Piper. Oh, she got up now. 
There, there she, she is. is. <laughs> she, can't, she, she, she wants she wants a spotlight here. Uh, Piper taking Arlington money line, Houston money line, and the Seattle DC over thirty five and a half. She's coming on set. Look at you. Yeah. I wish we could find a way to see her. Not in range of our camera, but no. she's trying. She heard her name. Uh, so mostly agrees with us. I wonder how that could be. <laughs> I mean, Gee. just great minds think alike, I guess. Uh, so that'll do it for us on the boulevard. We probably wasted a lot of your time tonight. Uh, but if you did enjoy us, please like the video. We're independent, and we really need that. Uh, subscribe while you can before YouTube gets mad at us. For me, uh, we're on the beer snake here. No, this video is not for kids. I'll have to select that when I post it. Uh, remember, you can win a PlayStation 5 in our Pick'em. Go to the link in the description. All you got to do is get four picks right straight up. Don't worry about the spread or the total. Every time you go 4-0, you can do this every week. Every time you go 4-0, you'll get one entry to be uh, entered to win a PlayStation 5. We're going to give that away in May. Again, just click the link in the description for that. For Chris Zook, I am Matty Fresh. Enjoy opening weekend, whether you're in the stands or on the couch. This has been Spring Ball Boulevard, where there is no such thing as football season. We'll see you Monday night.